Do you want to hear a funny story about my family? Oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> so I was talking to my mum. I video called her yesterday and um, she said that she listens to our podcast and she just finished season one. She mm. has it on in the kitchen while she's making granola bars, which is adorable. <laughs> um, that is cute. <laughs> and my dad walked into the kitchen and heard our podcast and just went, who the hell's this you're listening to then? And mum was like, <gasps> it's your son. Do you not recognise your own son's voice? And dad was like, oh, all right then. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. How do you learn all those lines? You can tell we've asked actors to email in. Oh, fuck, I'm in a play. I don't know what I'm doing. She got fucking glandular fever the night before the exam. It was all the right words, not necessarily in the right order. This lady in the front row was like, do you think he's forgotten his lines? Oh, no. All right, love. What'll it be? I had a picture, which I wanted to show you, but due to technology being an anus hole, uh, I can't do that. We're talking over the phone, but recording separately. It's very weird. We've gone all retro vibe. Yeah, it's weird not being able to see Scarlett on a laptop. We've got... I'm staring at the laptop as if I'm talking to you, but you're not there. (laughs) (laughs) It's strangely surreal. (laughs) I too am doing the same. I um, (laughs) am... Yeah, I wanted to show you this picture because it made me laugh. But my brother draws things on his uh, whiteboard. That sounds ominous, but he has a 18-month-old. So they draw. he draws like the little characters from Bowman's TV programs. Um, mm. And he sent me one earlier on saying, this one's for you, Scarlett. And <laughs> it's a drawing of, wow, Luigi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh, that's a good picture of Waluigi. Again, it's, it? this again makes no difference to people listening because they can't see this picture, but we'll have to put it up. <laughs> or get your brother to draw you as Waluigi instead. <laughs> Something tells me that'll be slightly insulting. <laughs> what do you think? No, not at all. Waluigi's the most beautiful character in all the Super Mario games. Having spent a whole year in lockdown now, well, it's just shy of, isn't it? I actually feel like I probably year. have a closer resemblance to Waluigi than I do my actual <laughs> self from before. That's the thing. Like, so Hannah and I recently rewatched all of Tiger King. Um, really? Yeah. Well, we were looking for something to watch, and obviously, when you're at home in lockdown, it's like, oh, we can binge all the shows that we've never had a chance to. But most of those shows are like, you know dramas that you gotta get invested in it's like oh i can't be bothered to do that and to think so what show do you need to watch when you don't want to think tiger king and it's weird watching it again because obviously you know the history and everything and it's um it, it is worth watching it a second time but what's weird is i was watching it going god this time last year we were watching it Oh, wait, no, we weren't. This time last year, we were still blissfully unaware of the Mm. horrors that were to come. That was 2020 slash 2021. Years mean nothing. (laughs) It's all terrible. (laughs) It's just an era of terrible. Um, (laughs) So this time last year, it's coming up to my birthday. I will already be 23. Oh, God, by the time this goes out. Um, But this time last year, me... 
my mum, my dad and Liam all went to Brighton for a day out on my birthday. We heard about, I remember so, somebody messaged me, one of my friends messaged me to wish me a happy birthday. And they were like, what have you got up to today? And I said, oh, I went and um, did some damage and bought a load of things when we went to Brighton for the day. And she was like, oh my God. She was like, do you realise the first case of coronavirus was in Brighton today? I was like, no, no, I didn't. What a fantastic thought. And then I was shitting myself for like weeks thinking, <laughs> what if we caught it? What if we come into contact with that person? Mum was like, well, they were obviously in hospital. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been all over the fucking news. You've probably not been anywhere near them. But even then, I was kind of like, I don't know, bumhole twitchery, you know, scaredy cat. <laughs> <laughs> bumhole twitchery. <laughs> I've got a twitching bumhole. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that bright. was the thing like when covid first hit this country brighton seemed to be ground zero for it mm. and then how quickly it spread and now england's just ground zero for shit <laughs> <laughs> anyway how are you how's how's life been treating you has anything changed since we last spoke or is it all just the same are we like a tiger walking around in a small cage, up and down, up and down, same thing, day in, day out. Mm. How are you? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> you don't need to ask me how I am, I've told you from that analogy. Um, uh, uh, there's, there's good days and bad days, I suppose. Although I don't really, I think I am actually used to this shit now. It's not, mm. I just constantly think back to how naive we were to all think that it would be over in a few months and think to myself fucking hell we're here but I don't know because me and Liam spent so much time apart in the beginning Mm. that felt like absolute torture and now that we're together and have been for the last however long since July I thought you were going to say something like oh it was torturous not being with Liam but now that I am with him I can't fucking stand him (laughs) (laughs) No, he's not that bad. He's uh, what is he's fucking not that annoying? bad. <laughs> <laughs> what is really, really annoying, and I admit this to him. Well, admit I don't need to admit this to him. He can tell by my face. Um, so good, we can keep this bit in then. Yeah. <laughs> when we isolate together, it sounds like we just do that for a laugh now. Like that's date night isolating. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, so we have isolated together so we've just been living in a bedroom and having our food and drink delivered to us by my very lovely mum and dad when he gets up in the morning for work because he's obviously still working from home he'll get up Mm. at 20 past eight that's when he sets the alarm for and then he lays there until nine and then gets up but i have never known so there's a desk set up in my room and that's where his laptop and everything is but he uses a laptop And honestly, I have never heard anyone type so fucking loudly in all my life. It is so annoying. It's like, in fact, some AMSR, ASMR, ASMR, isn't it? That's the one, yeah. I'm going to get you the the bastard thing and give you a little show for what it's like. I'm going to stand up for Liam here in solidarity because i too am a loud and fast typer it's so annoying if i'm downstairs writing on my laptop and hannah's there and she's just like oh you stop typing so loudly but it's so there's nothing wrong with it you don't want every (laughs) type taps on the keyboard You, you you wouldn't get any half the letters down it's rubbish it's the equivalent of having a weak wet fish of a handshake i know i have a strong handshake and bash those keys 
That's a sign. That's a sign of a true man. (laughs) (laughs) But right, so to all of you that are thinking, hmm, I've only ever used a uh, an Apple product, and their keypads are awfully quiet. I don't know what they're talking about. Here goes. God. That is so fucking annoying when you're still asleep and it is nine o'clock in the morning. Like nothing. Why are you it's still just asleep tr- at nine o'clock in the morning? Oh, well, it's time God to get forbid up. this unemployed bitch doesn't have anything <laughs> else to do except sleep. <laughs> I'm still thinking like when you said Liam got up at eight twenty, I was like, fucking up eight twenty, hurry up, Liam. What time what? do you clock on? <laughs> yeah, he, honestly, I mean I or is he one of these people that literally rolls out of bed and yeah. starts work? That's what I mean. That. Because he's working from the bedroom, he literally just rolls out of bed. He doesn't even go and make himself... I think he goes and makes himself a glass of squash in the bathroom. <laughs> um, start the day right. Of a luxurious um, life. Yeah. <laughs> has a biscuit, has a malted milk biscuit, and off he goes. <laughs> Cornerstone of any nutritious breakfast. <laughs> Indeed, I would say so. Have you ever had a malted milk? I'm sure you have. I think I I've shared a malted milk. Yeah, I bet well, the last malted milk you had was one that I gave you in late November of what year? It'll be 2019. <gasps> God, that feels well like because we didn't see each other in person in 2020, except before the lockdown for obvious reasons, and we mm. met in 2019. So it'd be really weird if you just came up to me on the street and we'd never met each other in like 2018 <laughs> or 17, and went. Here's a malted milk for you, sir. I don't know why you're talking like an old woman, but that's because you tend to go into an old woman accent. I can't believe you've just insulted me like that. <laughs> Fucking hell. Malted milk is a, is a gift. You made me sound like some, I was offering you, I don't know, a poisoned apple or something. Like, I don't know, the Wicked Witch in Snow White. That is actually what I sound like, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you said it. I'm just, yeah. Sorry, might be some squeaky chair. All I heard was you just go, oh! I was like, oh. I'm just used to you making random noises on this show. <laughs> the best example of it, because I sometimes, when editing, I'll sometimes edit out the weird noises and the ums and ahs. But unfortunately, we didn't give the memo when we guest starred on the Widest Film podcast, because you make some cracking noises do- during the episode that we were on. She didn't cut a second. <laughs> For anyone that doesn't know, Scarlett and I were invited onto Emily Slade's podcast, Why This Film. Emily was a guest back in season one. Uh, and we went face to face in a movie quiz of the ages. And I don't want to spoil who won. You'll have to listen to the podcast to find out. Go check it out. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. But like I say, I think because you do the best part of the editing of ours, I didn't realise how many fucking noises I do make. I sound like some sort of dying animal. And (laughs) Emily, bless her heart, I had great fun, but she kept in every last one. (laughs) And for that, Emily, I thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's get back on topic. We've not even started the topic. No, we haven't. I don't know. That's how far off topic we've gone. We've literally headed towards it. It's like we should start it. Oh, no, we've gone off on a tangent again. But I feel like people should know this by now. Yeah, get used to it. When I edit this down, it will be a cool 
crisp five minute intro when really we've been talking for like two hours of waffle. <laughs> Try being David and editing one of these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh God, I don't even know how I'm going to segue this, but I'm just going to ramble. Um, oh no, I've got it. I've got it. So um, thinking back to season one, when we were talking about, you know, the questions that actors get asked. Well, one of them is how do you learn all those lines? And I thought that'd be quite a fun topic for this week's episode is for actors to share their stories about times when they or people that they shared the stage with forgot their lines and how they recovered. And basically it's another episode where we've got people to tweet in stuff for us to read out (laughs) and we then (laughs) laugh at them. (laughs) Sounds really harsh. (laughs) But we'll share stories that you can laugh at about us too. So it's fine. It happens to all of us. We've all done it. Um, it's nothing to be ashamed of unless you're one of those actors that just doesn't bother to read scripts and Mm. relies on your other castmates to save you um, who have actually put in the work and then they've got to fucking carry you because you just didn't bother to read the script. Sorry, that's that's also happened to every actor as well. And if it hasn't happened to you, guess what? (laughs) Oh, I went on a rant then. (laughs) Anyway, before we go into our listeners' stories... Scarlett, has there ever been a moment where you've been on stage during a show and you have forgotten your lines at all? Ah. Uh, oh, she's forgotten. <laughs> I haven't ever on stage. I did during a exam once. You basically looked at the stuff that you'd done throughout the year and, and chose what part of history you wanted to look at and you were making a performative exploration through that ours was about being land girls at one point we spoke about being like the the housewives we we found this like this piece of writing from wartime about being a housewife and all the sorts of things that you should like have dinner on the table ready for your husband show him that he's loved and cared about and yada yada i don't think your heart was in this we were we were being ironic with it. It was kind of a, a poking fun at it, but you have to appreciate to some degree that that was some women's lives. And that was how some mm. women were happy existing to look after their husband. I'd like to think right. that there's a much broader spectrum of people with different aspirations now seeing this piece of writing that... I, I, I can't remember where it was written. It was about being the perfect housewife, basically, anyway. And I thought, fucking hell, if that's all they had to look forward to, then like I'd have just been like, ta-da, I'll go on the front line. <laughs> Give me a <laughs> rifle. <laughs> um, so we're reading now, not reading, we weren't reading it at all. We'd learnt different parts of it. My bit was about showing your husband that he's loved. And it, it didn't say it explicitly because there just wasn't documentation like that then but it was kind of like airing on the side of like you should wash before you get into bed put a clean nighty on all this crap to show you all man he's loved fuck off um like i'll be clean for myself and nobody else <laughs> um Lads, if you're listening do you agree <laughs> send your responses to two actors podcast outlook.com <laughs> but i had this absolute brain fart and it was obviously because I didn't believe what I was saying. I ha- I thought I had learnt it, but I stood there and was kind of like, oh, fuck. My mind just went blank. So I just made it up on the spot. Felt terrible for it afterwards, but we still got a first, so nobody cared. <laughs> Fair enough. 
<laughs> that's the only time I have actually forgotten. But like I say, it wasn't on stage. It was just for an exam. Did anyone notice at all? Yes, yeah. The the other three girls knew. Fortunately, I had remembered I had started well and ended well because we were going to get an issue with the queue because one of them would have probably thought they had to save me if I didn't remember the last lines because they wouldn't know mm. when I was going to stop. Yeah, that was probably my only sort of bum clenchy moment. <laughs> that For that particular exam was the first time the, the pig noise was discovered. You know, the old... <laughs> Ah, for those that don't know, um, when Scarlett and I did a, uh, we were in the production of 39 Steps, a live radio play with Black Box Theatre, Scarlett had to do the voice of, a, well, the noise of a pig. And that's that. The and voice. it is, <laughs> it's a sight to behold. It is, it really is. Because you like, you puff your cheek, you don't open your mouth, you just puff your cheeks up and this pig noise just comes out. It's amazing. <laughs> Uh, but david can do a really good plopping noise well not plop that sounds gross drip oh a a water drop noise so (laughs) like that there we go i'm pretty sure that's how i got i ended up getting the job speaking of the 39 steps we can share a story about when the other actor in that show well he didn't forget a line but he kind of changed it somewhat so for context we've spoken about it a few times in the podcast but for any new listeners um scarlett and i met when we were cast in black box theatre company's production of 39 steps presented as a live radio drama so basically the stage was set out as like a radio studio in the 60s i believe and all the actors have been stuck in snow so the producer julian who is played by Bruce McIntosh, he's getting name dropped. The sound engineer Roy, played by me, and Brenda the Tea Lady, obviously played by Scarlett, had to fill in all the parts because they were about to go live to the nation. So what you were hearing was a professional radio play, but what you were seeing was three actors running around on stage trying to come up with different characters and do all the sound effects live and all of that. And um, there's a scene where... So um, this guy, Bruce, who was playing the producer was reading in for the role of Richard Hannay, who's the protagonist, and myself and Scarlett voiced all of the other characters in The 39 Steps. And there's a bit where Richard Hannay gets kidnapped by the evil Austrian professor and his his henchmen. And um, so I'm at the front of the stage with Bruce, and he's talking into his microphone, and he's kind of narrating as it goes. And uh, he's supposed to say the line, one of the professor's gorillas patted me down, and then I pat myself down into the mic and make the sound of the henchman going, nothing. But for some reason, during a particular performance, that wasn't the line that came out of Bruce's mouth. He, so, I don't think he ever said gorillas. I think he used to say one of the professor's monkeys patted me down. So come I thought the... it was gorillas. I th- no, swear no, no. gorillas was in it the script. It was gorillas. It was gorillas in the script, but he had always said monkeys. One of his monkeys patted me down. Yeah. Go on, David. What did he say instead? For some reason, during this performance, Bruce said this line. One of his bum monkeys patted me down. <laughs> and I I heard it. And Scarlett heard it. I definitely fucking heard it. I didn't react, but I continued the scene. And then after I've done my bit to the mic, I go backstage. I go upstage behind the props table with Scarlett. And we both knelt down to collect some more props from the basket underneath the table and we both turn to look at each other and just go bum monkeys because <laughs> we couldn't quite be believe 
that that had happened. But the thing is, when we said to Bruce after the show, we were like, bum monkeys. He just looked at us like, what are you talking about? I was like, you just, you called me a bum monkey on stage. And he was like, did I? He didn't even know that he did it. Fucking hilarious. But that wasn't the first time he'd done it. There was a line right at the end about, um, he, I could see in the faces of these three men. (laughs) (laughs) And instead he said, I could see in the feces of these three men. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, I've been no, I've never been closer to like wanting to cry with laughter on stage because the fact of the matter was even if nobody else in the audience had realized and we all had he then sort of smirked and sniggered having realized what he'd said and i was just oh god if i could have been in bits rolling around on the floor i would have done because it was fucking hilarious another realm for your love This podcast is sponsored by WeAudition.com. WeAudition is the revolutionary new website that helps actors to find a scene partner on demand through video chat for rehearsals and self-tapes and meet casting directors, agents and industry experts for auditions and general meetings one-on-one through video chat and earn money for rehearsing with other actors. But why are we telling you this, you may ponder? Well, ponder no more, because we've teamed up with the wonderful people of WeAudition.com to offer listeners of Two Actors Walk Into a Bar an exclusive discount on Pro Membership. I don't know why I went Scottish then, but what I do know is that if you use our code 2ACTORS25 at checkout, you'll get an exclusive 25% off your Pro Membership. That's the promo code 2ACTORS25, T-W-O-A-C-T-O-R-S 25. I've had moments where I'm aware that a line is coming up and my brain just goes, you don't know this line, and it's about two scenes away, and I'm just like, Ooh, oh, fuck. That's horrible. And it's, and it's like, oh God, oh God. I'm just like, I hope muscle memory kicks in and that my lips just say the word that I'm supposed to. <laughs> my mouth moves, but I'm not compass mentors. There was a moment where I was in a production of The Tempest. I don't, this is very unprofessional, but me and my friend, we were, we were lords in The Tempest. We had a game with each other where we could, where we would try and see who could make the other person corpse the most. Um, he won... And at one point during the Tempest, during this like banquet scene where all these like, I don't know, fairies come out and then Ariel comes out and has a go at us or whatever. I can't remember much about that show. Um, Ariel comes Matt out as a go at us. <laughs> just turned to me and did a Jack Sparrow impression where he just waved his fingers at me and went, I can do this. And I just had to cover my my face because I was laughing and I completely missed a line and then but luckily no. everyone else on stage kept talking and then I kind of looked confused and went oh fuck I was supposed to say something oh no <laughs> but that was just that was that was very that was very unprofessional I'd never do that again there have been a few times where I've like forgotten lines but I don't I've not realized it's not a common occurrence because I do have I have I'm sure every actor has had this. I've had that recurring nightmare of not knowing lines and then being told, you've got a show tomorrow. And then I'll wake up in a cold sweat like, oh my God, oh my God. I've not had that yet. You will do. But that nightmare 
has progressed where it's the day of the show and I don't know my lines. And then in recent years, it's progressed further where I'm about to go on stage and I don't know the lines. And then there's even been one where I've gone on stage and I've looked at everyone and gone, oh, fuck, I'm in a play. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm terrified of walking on stage and just going, nope, not a clue. (laughs) Is that what, because people sort of speak about it a bit more freely within the profession than I can never say I came into contact with through education but when you get stage fright I don't know whether that is people say like oh I I never went on stage again because the last time I did I had stage fright but I don't know whether they're talking about having forgotten their lines or the stage fright caused them to forget their lines or that's just the sort of I don't know term for having forgotten your lines and so you you just never go back to it again if you don't have to i don't know what what the difference is because i would imagine stage fright is like get out there and then just have to turn around and come back off before you pass out or something because you're so nervous i don't know i've not had stage fright i've had severe bouts of anxiety before going on stage before um, but I've I've had that where I've been absolutely terrified and like don't want to go on stage, don't want to go on stage. But then I'm kind of in the wings and I just go, ah, fuck it, and I go on stage and I'm absolutely fine. I yeah. don't know. It's just this torturous <laughs> this torturous routine I put myself through before a show. I'm just pacing up and down, going fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I think during a tour or during the only tour I've been a part of so far. It's probably the least I've ever eaten in like, I don't know, three months because uh, you know what I'm like. I am f- so fucking nervous before going out. But people always say to me like, but you love it and you're, you're like, you're good. It's not like you're shit and you don't know your lines. Like it couldn't have gone any better. Why were you so nervous? But you just can't explain it. You just are. It's the build-up and you're going out there in front of, well, hopefully in front of a large group of people and having Mm. to put on a show and entertain them. That's a huge pressure, actually. You've got to go out on stage and entertain people and make sure they get their money's worth. And, oh, God, I feel nervous now. I never want to go on stage again. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to think you've been nervous, like, I don't know, secondary school, primary school before doing the nativity oh god don't start having fever dreams Mm. um (laughs) i i sort of think like when you're actually being paid to do that job it's completely different and far higher caliber responsibility where you've got to leave people feeling like they've got their money's worth terrifying really i don't know why we put ourselves through this for the love of the theater i guess It's, it's definitely worth it by the end oh, yeah. especially if it has gone well and like i think everybody as modest as you are you sort of can feel quietly confident or feel like it's been a bit shitter everybody mm. knows another drink for your love so i put a cheeky note out on twitter asking our fellow actor listeners to share their stories either via email or tweet of times when either they or someone they shared the stage with forgot their lines and what happened because of it and I'm going to share some of them with you now but what's worse than forgetting your lines than forgetting to come on stage entirely Uh, so this is an email we got sent in and it goes like this I was an actress in Anastasia at the Pushkin house in London a few years ago 
One actor was supposed to be on stage and completely missed his cue. It was a horrendous, heart-beating, stressful time. I was ready behind the door, waiting to go on, but I had to run up the stairs and ask for James. She put it in the email, so I'm just going to say it. (laughs) I had to ask for James. Where the hell is he? He was sitting down with a cup of tea and biscuits, chatting. I said, you're on. As he rushed down the stairs, the actors that were left paused on stage improvised lines. Where the heck is he? Where is he? I'll kill him when he gets on here. (laughs) For some reason, I feel like that last line wasn't an improvisation. I think that was just the actor's actual uh, um, feelings. One actor stormed off stage, saw James running down the stairs, grabbed him and practically threw him on the stage. The whole second half of the play went off script and ended a lot sooner than it should have. The director was watching that night and I believe wanted to die. We're off to a cracking start here. Completely forgot to even come on. I mean, I don't don't even want to point fingers because if that ever happens to me, then I'll feel like it was karma for being nasty about poor James. (laughs) But the fact (laughs) that he was sat there with a fucking cup of tea and biscuits, like, bitch, where are you? Like I say, I don't want to say too much because if it happens to me, then I'll cry like a baby. But I'd have been fucking fuming. I did one once um, and we had prompts and the person that forgot their lines <laughs> just sort of sat there like twiddling their fingers. <laughs> and I was looking at them like, um, excuse me. And then there were plenty of props on stage. So I was a mate. <laughs> I was able to start making myself a cup of tea um, <laughs> just to sort of bridge the gap. And I'm thinking there was really nowhere I could go with it except mm. start talking about the decor because that was something my character had spoken about earlier on. And and there was just, and the prompt was saying the fucking lines and they weren't repeating them. And I was like, <coughs> what are you doing? Have you just gone into like rest mode? <laughs> What's happened? He's in standby. Um, So I then repeated what the prompt had said because in my character's words sort of thing. And then they were like, of course, yes. And then carried on. And I was like, why did you do that? They took your lines. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about like fucking edge of the seat. Like, come on. And there was even like, (laughs) oh God, (laughs) God, (laughs) I'm joking. Um, it was a it was a Saturday matinee as well, and and uh, the Blue Rinse Brigade were out, bless them. And this lady in the front row was like, "Oh, do you think he's forgotten his lines?" Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Fuck's sake!" Oh, that's so awkward when an, a member of the audience chimes in. <laughs> Yeah, like, do you want to fucking get up here on stage and you do it instead? Because I think you'd have a better chance at it than him. (laughs) (laughs) You sound like you've got plenty to say, lady. (laughs) This leads into a tweet we got from a guy called Max. In a performance of An Absolute Turkey at drama school. Now, I don't know if the play is called An Absolute Turkey or if it's just a really shit play. But he says, I forgot my damned line during an aside. The climactic circumstances and positioning meant we were looking at each other very intensely. We all knew it was me. My fellow actor conveniently had his hand on my shoulder and squeezed it to indicate it was my line, but it was too late. The words were lost in the ether. Horror. Pure horror. Sweating more than usual. 
Luckily, a kind gentleman in the flipping audience knew the play and said the correct line to the director, who in turn shouted it out. Who was a nice man in the audience? The head of acting. I don't think I've ever recovered. Oh, that's not great. Like the director must be like, oh God, that's essentially his boss telling him, um, that is it's supposed cringy. to be this line. Very, very cringy. I feel like with this episode, we're going to have a lot of actors relive some trauma <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and bring up some, bring up some stuff. 100%. So I do apologise. But they've all shared it with us. And if, and if you've tweeted us, well, you've done it publicly. So you're going to get named <laughs> if I've remembered to write your name down. Named and shamed. Although I would say is that these stories are so well written and elaborate. It's literally like Jack and Ori for me. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell we've asked actors to email in it's not just like i did this and this and it was shit <laughs> there are some beautifully written ones yeah. the words um, were lost in the ether <laughs> i love it so there's this one that was emailed into us and this again goes along the trend of plays that sound really shit so this email goes many years ago i did a traditional weekly repertory season it was filled with fairly ghastly whodunits that required the detective to memorise vast gobbets of exposition and interrogation. Yeah, you're right, Scarlett. These are very well written. <laughs> the use of languages. <laughs> I played the chief suspect who had the joy of being stuck on stage for the entire thing. It wasn't brilliantly written. The detective was a lovely actor but openly struggled with learning the vast amount of text in the very small amount of time, and one night entirely blanked. I basically had to incriminate myself by filling in the missing lines in the style of, well, if you were to ask me where I was that night, I suppose I'd have to say that I don't really have an alibi. And, well, I was hoping you wouldn't notice that I had left a fingerprint on the bag you found. <laughs> It was excruciating, but fortunately, the play was so poorly written, I'm not sure anyone in the audience noticed. <laughs> An absolute turkey, playing now in London. It is. Actually, no, it won't, because the theatres are closed. It is. An absolute turkey, played by Jorge Fado. Oh, it's an actual play called An Absolute Turkey. Brilliant. I just thought it was this guy insulting the play he was on. It was like, it's an absolute turkey of a play. <laughs> or he's called George's, but I, I was going to go with, I don't know. It, it's spelled George like English. in the Like English. Like English. <laughs> like English, which you speak when read well, yeah? You know, when there's an absolute turkey at Christmas and you all just eat it right up in English. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Is that what the play's about? No, it's not. Apparently, it is an elegantly complex play and is brought to life in this witty, seamless and acutely funny transition by Peter Hall and Nicky Frey. But yeah, you might want to cut the bits where you're like, I don't know if that's a play. <laughs> no, I'm keeping all that in. <laughs> Do you think if we talk about um, an absolute turkey long enough that the production company behind it will have to pay us money because um, we've you know given them free advertisement? <laughs> we can only dream. I do feel bad, though, for that last story because he had to just bend over backwards to keep the play going because the other actor just didn't know their lines. Mm -hmm. I've had that as well where I've, you know, 
been in productions where there's always one person who struggles to get their lines and I'm just like oh god please 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 pull it out the bag on show night that would be that'd be great time goes so fucking slowly when somebody has forgotten their lines doesn't it yeah. it feels like you've been stood there for a few hours waiting for it to just pop up in their brain again but it, it's probably seconds but chances are the audience are like oh this must be part of it it's a very dramatic pause <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know whether this is because we are who we are and we do what we do but sometimes i watch things and i'm like she wasn't supposed to say that or he's fucked up those lines um there are some pretty famous ones i think of like <laughs> eastenders christmas special goes live or something and one of the characters calls one of the other characters by his real name rather than his character name um, oh what well, instead of how's ian she said how's adam yeah the actor's name. yeah oh oh that yeah. <laughs> live tv i mean it's 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 gonna go wrong <laughs> I don't know, do you just play it off better when it's live theatre? I'm not sure. It's just they can walk away and not keep watching it, I suppose, is the difference. <laughs> Nobody can rewind you and check out if you did it completely wrong or said the wrong thing. Have you ever seen anything where, or been in a show where another actor has just forgotten their lines so they shift the blame onto someone else or just cut, or just essentially go, I don't fucking know my lines? Over to you, Ooh. to someone else on stage. Not not so overtly. I've, I've known people speak over the top of other people because they're trying to sort of mop up and then it just looks and sounds really awful. Because this is a story from Jamie on Twitter. I was in a production of Guards, Guards. A fellow castmate had a big speech with lots of mystery and plot. He totally blanked, turned to me and said, what do you think? And then walked off stage. Oh, what a bastard. It's fucking wild. What, what, what did you think, Jamie? <laughs> Probably, I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. <laughs> you just fucking wait. That's what I think. I remember seeing a show uh, when I was at college and we were watching the first years like do some performances or whatnot. Mm. And um, there was a play and it definitely shouldn't have ended where it did. Where there were three guys on stage. There was a pause. One of, the, one of them just went, oh, fuck it. And walked off stage Another actor just went, shit. And then the third actor, I, I guess, was trying to just continue to play because he just started saying his lines and then lights went down and we just kind of awkwardly applauded. It was like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's something that would really fuck me off, whether it was professional, amateur, whatever. If somebody mm. basically just like offers you up to the slaughter, like, oh, they fucked up and now I'm going to completely come out of character and make that well entirely obvious because nobody would mean to do it would they nobody would mean to fuck up or forget or it's a horrible thing that you hope never happens to you and if you learn your lines well enough then it shouldn't so maybe you are in part guilty if um you just didn't fucking learn them this relates slightly as another story we got sent in uh, where this actor says, and he doesn't mince his words with this one either, an incompetent slacker who had 10 lines in the whole play and was still forgetting them the day before we opened, forgot he was in the scene and ran on stage halfway through. Afterwards, he told me it was my fault for not telling him he had to go on. Oh, fuck off. Ooh. I mean, if you fuck up, everyone does it. Everyone fucks up in a play. Everyone forgets to come on or say their lines. But don't blame someone else it's not their responsibility it's yours you wanker don't know what's going on with my voice right now 
Yeah, it's, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because there's a fine line. I suppose you've literally got to make the judgment on whether you think the other person has learnt the lines to the best of their ability or whether it's just sheer misfortune and, and they've had a bit of a moment and you're just like, well, that was a mess, but we move on. And and you'll know, you'll know, like you said about the slacker that only had 10 lines and was forgetting them the day before. It's just an insult to the people that have had fucking pages and pages and pages of stuff to learn, isn't it? I remember some friends of mine were in a production of Macbeth. At the start, when they started rehearsals, they were telling us, oh yeah, come see it, come see it, come see it. And then as it got closer to show date, their pleas for us to buy tickets lessened to nothing. <laughs> And apparently the reason why is because the guy playing Macbeth never bothered to learn his lines. And he had a script in hand on the night, which is just, oh, God. What? But apparently he just didn't bother to learn it. And I just don't understand why anyone would want to do that, especially when you're the lead. Yeah. Why would you audition for something Shakespearean if you aren't going to learn your fucking lines? Because that isn't something you can improv your way out of. Well... It's funny you say that because we have had a few tweets from people saying how they're in a shake. There's quite a lot. That, that's one of the themes is that there's a lot of people saying they're in Shakespeare shows and they had to either improvise Shakespeare or improvise something or nudge someone else. Um, there's a guy, uh, Simon Michael Morgan on Twitter said, I dried during to be or not to be. Only the speech everyone knows. And we were being filmed by BBC's Culture Show too. I fiddled with my bare bodkin for exactly 17 years, then got my bearings. Afterwards, the director commended my bold pause choice. Before we started recording, I spoke to Hannah, um, my girlfriend, who's a friend of the show. She was on last season. And uh, this is she had to actually improvise Shakespeare. A Shakespearean professional actor did a talk about how someone had forgotten their lines, so they had to ad lib. And his advice was, put a load of fancy lines together. And if you need to finish a scene by crouching, just say, let us crouch a while. Or if you need to leave, just say, let us leave out yonder door. (laughs) So Hannah continues, I was on stage. The girl opposite me had just learnt her lines the day before. Again, this is another recurring theme about people just learning lines. It, It doesn't work. You need to learn your lines weeks before you actually get on stage she turned to me and she was supposed to say something along the lines of leave my sight at once she turned looked took a breath and then just looked at me like it's your line oh so hannah (laughs) ended the story by going i then said i have drummed you speechless dear sister come i shall now exit out of yonder window (laughs) not yonder door yonder window (laughs) So maybe it, maybe improvising Shakespeare doesn't go that well. Still, well done for trying. At least she didn't just, I don't know, randomly dislocate her knee or anything. <laughs> I'm just going to dislocate yonder knee a while. And there you go. For anyone, for any new listeners that are confused, we had Hannah on last season where we were talking about onstage injuries. And uh, Hannah's the most accident-prone person ever. It's a miracle she's alive, to be honest. And a lot of her injuries happened on stage. She like did a singing competition or she sung on stage and then she was in hospital the following day with appendicitis or something because her appendix burst on stage. <laughs> what? I'm, uh, how is she alive? I don't know. <laughs> After the same again, lovey. This is a story that I 
know personally because I was in the audience when this happened. Uh, This is from my friend Kieran, who I went to university with. I remember doing an Inspector Calls, and one of my fellow cast members forgot a big monologue, moved to their next big monologue, which is about 15 minutes ahead, and I had to somehow circle it back to the original monologue, which they then remembered, and do it all again. When he tweeted that, I just thought, oh yeah, I was in the audience for that show, because I remember sitting there and going, hang on, didn't they say this already? Oh, no. The thing is, I know exactly (laughs) which actor he's talking about because I had a similar moment in a production a few years prior. We were in a production of And Then There Were None. And for those that don't know, And Then There Were None, load of people turn up on an island and then people start dying. One of them's the murderer, maybe. Who knows? Murder mystery. That's the best way to describe it. Why don't I just say that? And uh, this actor, it was a scene where a few people had, you know, been chopped off or whatever. Chopped off? Been murdered. Why can't I say words? Quick bit of castration on stage. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, a a few people had already been killed. And this actor was supposed to say, I don't suppose anybody's got a revolver. And that's when my character pulls out a gun and goes, I've got one. Very important point, because you know you've got to introduce a gun and, you know, it throws suspicion on my character. And uh, he looked at me and there was just that look of fear in his eyes. And I was like, oh, fuck. I know that look of fear. I've had that look. That's the look of when you just go, I've got nothing. And I was just, and I was like, he has to say the next line for me to react. I can't just randomly go, Right then, I've got a gun, guys. And he just looked at me for what felt like an hour, but it was like two seconds. Proper tumbleweed. And then he just went, you go search the house, we'll go search the garden. And I was like, I've got to do something. So I just went, yes, good idea. Let me go on my own. Good thing I've got a revolver, though. And he just looked at me and went, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, wait, where did you get that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he was very grateful that I that I saved him and he bought me like two pints after the show that night and I was forever in his debt. As long as you <laughs> you pay me back with alcohol then then we can continue to be friends. I feel like Bruce owes us several drinks for his feces <laughs> and bum monkey slip ups in 39 steps. <laughs> Bruce if you're listening and you will be because I'm going to tell you you're mentioned in this episode <laughs> you owe us alcohol. <laughs> So, Scarlett, have you ever seen Grease, or Grease is the word? I don't know what the official title is. Yes, I've seen it twice. I've seen it in the Piccadilly in London, um, the King's Theatre in Portsmouth. It was pretty scary the first time around. I think I was about 10. Um, And, yeah, we were in the gods. Fucking hell. I, me and my mum literally thought we were going to die. It was so steep. If you even breathed too heavily, you thought you were going to fall fucking however many foot from the top to the bottom. <laughs> so, um, yeah, not the greatest seats, but it was definitely an experience. So I'm assuming then that the stories involving Greece are not from plays that you've seen. This is from someone who emailed in. I once took part in my local amateur theatre production of Greece as Vince, the contest, the contest? The contest judge. The contest judge. Christ, what is wrong with me? I've only had two beers and I'm just, I'm mispronouncing words, forgetting them. Maybe that fits with the theme of the show. I don't know. I jumped into the role last minute to help a friend whilst also touring a production of Christmas Carol as Scrooge. On the second night after a busy three show day, I went on stage as Vince, ready to make an announcement. And suddenly I froze. The only sound I could make was 
This happened three times until eventually the actor playing the teacher grabbed the mic and improvised my lines. It was hilariously embarrassing. I feel like this guy has obviously been pushed to the limit because not only was he doing Grease, he was doing Christmas Carol as the lead. They're pretty... It's a pretty mixed bag. <laughs> it it would have been really bad if he had just come on stage in Greece and just gone, bah, humbug. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I've mixed up the shows. Shit. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned this before, but Hannah has written reviews for Scene One, which is a website oh, yes, that yeah. reviews amateur and professional shows down here in Hampshire. And she was booked to review another Amdram production of Greece. There's a bit at the end of Act One. I, I don't know Greece of the word that well, but the characters make a joke about, I think, Sandy dating Eugene. And then there's a laugh. And then that leads into a very well-known song, which is, you know, we go together like shoo-up, do-wadi-wadi, woobity-doopy-doop, which I believe is how it's um, written down in the in the book. But so basically this line happened and they mentioned Eugene and nothing happened. And the actors repeated their lines. Oh, no. And nothing happened. And it was like, where the fuck's this Eugene guy? <laughs> and then everyone was just stood on stage. This Eugene guy had to come on to essentially cue oh, no. this very popular song. And this actually did go on for about at least five minutes because we were in the audience. And suddenly there was a voice from the back of the room. Cue Eugene. <laughs> Eugene. <laughs> Please, Eugene. <laughs> And then the music just randomly started and the song began after what seemed like an eternity. And I was and I was just like, oh my God, Hannah's going to have so much fun writing this review. And then at the end of the play, the characters make a reference to Eugene again, where they go, oh, Eugene. And then the guy playing Eugene comes on stage and does a little bit of a ta-da. And I was looking at him going... He was on stage before. So it wasn't a case of Eugene forgetting to come on stage. He was fucking there last time and he forgot. What the hell? This bloody kid was just standing around like a lemming. And I should point out, when I say kid, I don't mean a 10-year-old. I'm nearly 30. So for me, a kid is someone who could be any age between fucking 10 and 25, to be honest. But I was just like, what the fuck is this guy doing? So he was on stage, but like the techs hadn't noticed that he was. So they weren't. They'd had their no, he was on stage the first time, but he just didn't do anything. He was supposed to come on and do something oh, and that weird. would cue the song. But he just he just stood there and I remember seeing him shrug and I just thought, Oh, he doesn't know what's happening. But turns out he was he was bloody Eugene. So when Eugene got mentioned again and at the end of the play, I think all the audience tensed up like, Oh god, here we go again. <laughs> Last orders at the bar. Last orders at the bar. Um, we've had some great stories sent in. We we unfortunately haven't got time to go through them all. Um, but luckily, most of them are on our Twitter page. So if you head over to at Two Actors Pod on Twitter, and why not follow us whilst you're there? Um, and you can find our original tweet and see everybody's stories. There's a few stories that. We've said about, you know, Greece had um, a few stories pop up. But there's one other play that seems to have stood out amongst others. And that's the Oscar Wilde classic, The Importance of Being Earnest. But I'll start with this one. I completely went blank as Cecily in a production of The Importance of Being Earnest and faced the back and corpsed with absolutely no return. My male counterpart had to ad-lib his arse off in the Oscar Wilde lingo to save me. And he nailed it, bless him. So well done to the Algernon that saved her. 
I am also guilty of being someone that's turned my back to the audience and just gone <laughs> and just laughed and hoped no one would notice. You've been in the importance of being earnest, haven't you? Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I was in it. Uh, the girl that played Lady Bracknell refused to do a handbag, the iconic line. Well, she refused to rehearse it. She outright refused she said she wasn't going to ever do it in a rehearsal she'd do it on the day but she was not ever doing it in rehearsal she got fucking glandular fever the night before and was like (laughs) (laughs) what i was like seriously that's like what an anti-climax you may have well just if you're a man that would be (laughs) pre-ejaculate Oh. <laughs> if she's listening oh my god poor girl she's probably thinking you fucking bitch <laughs> so there's another importance of being earnest story second performance and none of us knew it well enough to save it which is already off to a <laughs> cracking start that no one knew what they were doing uh grimacing faces four of us stared at each other i pulled a line out of my brain from a different act but jack corrected me with a wieldian titter thankfully lady bracknell swept in and saved it. Now, I read that tweet and I thought, hmm, I've been in the opposite situation where Lady Bracknell did not save it. So I was cast as Algernon in a, in a production of The Importance of Being Earnest. And um, the guy that produced the show was also playing Lady Bracknell. He was the only person on the poster. His name was above the title. But throughout the rehearsal process for the show, the producer, our Lady Bracknell, was very much telling us, you need to learn your lines. You need to learn your lines. He was very on it, (laughs) on that front. He was Scottish, by the way. Never. (laughs) (laughs) So the day before the dress run, when we were supposed to, the day before we would go into the theatre to do the dress run, he said to all of us, right, when we do the dress run, there'll be nobody prompting you. If you forget your lines, you've got to save yourself. Uh, and I actually did during the dress run, screw up my lines. Um, I ended up saying something too early during a scene, but I managed mm. to pull it back. And luckily my, uh, the guy I was on stage with could kind of tell what I was doing. Basically, it was all the right words, not necessarily in the right order. A catchphrase <laughs> that is common amongst every actor that I know, pretty much. So obviously with our Lady Bracknell being very, you know, fist on the desk, you've got to learn your lines and you've got to be off script and know what you're doing in the dress run, was of course the only person during the dress run that asked for a prompt. Uh, And the reason being was it was during like one of the final scenes in the show, uh, a technician walked past the stage and he just went, oh, you've thrown me. I've forgotten my line. What's my line? And I was like, don't blame the technician. He's doing his job. He's just he's just helping to get this show on the road. Don't start putting it on him that he's forgotten his line. The chair that he sat on was missing a foot. So one of the legs was shorter than the other. And um, on the opening night, he's in his dress and he sat on the chair. But his dress got caught under the chair leg. And I could see, I could see it, but I was too far away to do anything. And I was like, oh God, oh God, it'll be fine. I'll probably just come and stop. <laughs> But when he stood up, the chair came with him and fell over. And I was like, it'll be fine. He'll probably ad-lib something about the rustic furniture of the country or something. But no, 
Lady Bracknell did not do that. The chair fell over. There was a little titter from the audience. And there was a pause. And then Lady Bracknell uttered this immortal line. I know it's me, but I've completely forgotten my line. (laughs) (laughs) On stage. And I was just there. And I grabbed my right hand with my left. And I squeezed so hard, I thought I was going to break all my fingers. I was like... Are you <laughs> kidding me? You've actually just admitted to the audience. And this wasn't a panto. This wasn't the importance of being earnest goes wrong. This was meant to be a straight production. And that happened. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> we, got, we got the scene back on track. But the problem was that was near the end of the show. So that was all everybody was talking about afterwards in the audience. And I was like, oh, my God. I, I, my aunt and uncle, who I hadn't seen for like over a oh. decade, came and saw it. And they were like, oh, no, yeah, that guy forgot his line, didn't he? I was like, yeah, did you notice? Oh. I was like, oh, Thanks God. a fucking lot. That was show one. Oh, my God. The next day, matinee <gasps> performance. It was already a slightly stressful performance because one of our cast members had had an allergic reaction and we'd had to call paramedics out. Luckily, she was all right. And the paramedic said, you should probably go to hospital. And her response was, do I need to go to hospital? And they were like, well, we can't force you, but we'd recommend it. And she was like, I've got to do a show. So sorry. She went on stage. Um, I, the paramedic said, you should probably go to hospital so someone can, you know check you over and stuff and so i said to these two <laughs> nhs frontline workers well if you want to look over her I'm sure we could offer you half price seats we really we're quite short of an audience for this show so we'll get your front row tickets <laughs> believe it or not they declined <laughs> had more important stuff to do david always selling himself <laughs> absolutely i have no shame when it comes to plugging shows and selling tickets um <laughs> This was, again, yeah. quite a big performance. My grandparents were in the audience. My girlfriend Hannah was in the audience and my four best friends were there and there were people from work. And Hannah and one of my best friends, Louisa, had also been in productions of The Importance of Being Earnest. So that was extra pressure. So it's the aforementioned handbag scene. I'm off stage as Algernon waiting to come on and I'm watching the show on the monitor and I can hear it and the scene's playing out. And then the audience laugh because that is what the audience do during a comedy. They, well, they should, they should laugh. And this audience laughed at something. And then there was a pause. And Lady Bracknell turned to the audience and said, Oh, you've thrown me. I've completely forgotten my line. No. And I was like, I, and I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Two shows in a row. And apparently I got told this by <laughs> Hannah because her and Louise who were sat next to each other. They just grabbed each other and went, no. <laughs> anyway, the scene continued and Lady Bracknell went off stage and I had to go on for my entrance. And you know, when you come on stage, you come on with like big energy, you know, keep the scene going. I went mm. on with so much energy. I may as well have just gone, hey, fucking look at me, look at me. Woo, look at me, it's Algernon. Let's forget what just happened, everyone. But the damage was done. David the pinball. <laughs> the thing is, though, Lady Bracknell's friends were like saying to him after the show, oh, you were so funny. Oh, that bit was hilarious. And I was like, no, it wasn't. It was excruciating. Oh, oh, Maybe he God. thought that it had gone down well the night before, so he was going to do it again. <laughs> Part of me thinks that's what happened. I don't know what the director thought, because the director and the producer are friends. 
Um, the director's mm. a lovely man and got him really well, but I don't know what he thought of the whole fiasco. I don't know. Yeah, no. Oh. That's... that's probably like the most uh, embarrassed I've ever been on stage. And uh, there have been a few stories of like, you know, that we've had sent in of people going, yep, actors have just gone, nope, I don't know, or it's your line, dear, or something like that. And it's just like, oh, mm. God. Just it, advice to any actors listening out there. If you if you forget a line, make something up. The audience probably yeah. won't notice. Make something up Jesus. that isn't, I've forgotten my line. Your profession is literally being good at pretending. Just fucking make <laughs> something up. Unless it's like a panto. What mischief there to do the play that goes wrong or something. That's fine. If it's a play that's like very... Four, four, breaking, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But if it's a straight play, say anything. Say anything. Please. Please, Eugene. Yeah. <laughs> you improvise. Don't, like, wave the white flag and be like, I'm done for. Take me now, audience. Go on all chitter-chatter about what a terrible job I've done. It's just like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I do like to end these kind of episodes on a positive note. And um, this is quite a nice little story. This comes from Mark Weinman on Twitter. And he said, Claire Madison saved me when I dried midway through my monologue in the final few days of a month run. I thought, if she's got me covered there, imagine what she can do for my street cred. So I asked her out. Three years later, and we still live together. So there we go. That's a happy, happy romantic story. A love story. A love story. See, we can be sopping. It came from drying up. Ooh, God. Maybe she thought, tell you what, I'm going to bag this one because if I wash up, you can dry up. <laughs> that's absolutely <laughs> dreadful, but that's brilliant. Before we go, what tips do you have? Like, what's the best way for you when it comes to learning lines? What's the tried and tested method for getting your lines drilled into your skull i would say um i always start with i have like a code a bit of a sort of code method which was strange so um i'll start with writing them um and i'll rather than write the whole word i'll just do the first letter of the word which sounds a bit strange and is a bit peculiar because I end up with a bedroom that's covered in like sheets of paper that have got like T T T H U Y Z. <laughs> well, actually, definitely not Y Z because what words begin with Y and Z except U and Zoo and <laughs> yogurt? Um, so I end up with sheets of paper with loads of random letters all over them, and then I will record myself saying the lines of all the other characters leaving a just less than appropriate gap for myself so that I know um, my lines are quick and there's no hesitation or pause. That's my top tips. Jesus Christ, that's like absolutely ins- <laughs> insane. I mean, my <laughs> advice was I just read them for bed. <laughs> You've got fucking grass and papers strewn across the room with like all this code x y equals z and all christ and then you're playing your voice god i thought that was pretty normal it probably is for some people i think that comes from doing two language gcses in a language a level bloody show off (laughs) well not really because i completely flunk the as um (laughs) 
the rest of the class had like houses in fucking Spain and um, parents who were bilingual and stuff. So I was, <laughs> I'd set myself up to fail. That was how I used to, but basically the truth of the matter was I wasn't very good at actually learning languages. I was good at memorizing stuff. And so that was how I used to learn all of that. And so I've just brought it with me and, and stuck to it because it's, it's a tried and tested method. If you've got a more elaborate way of learning lines, uh, email us your methods at twoactorspodcast at outlook.com. I think that's an episode. I think that's definitely <laughs> a fucking episode. <laughs> what are you still doing here? Sling your hook. See you later, Davy boy. See you later, Scarlotta. We'd like to give a massive thanks to Rotaries for our soundtrack and to Megan Siggers for our artwork. And an even bigger thanks to all of you choosing to listen to us waffle on. Find us on all social media platforms and make sure to subscribe to us because we're actors. We need validation.